and welcome to High Heels and Heartache. I'm your host, Kendall Ann Bird. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fabulous episode ready for you. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Stephanie Moulton Sarkis about gaslighting. Um, gaslighting has been creeping its way into the national conversation recently. So I wanted to get an expert in to explain what is gaslighting, to define it and tell us what to look for because it is a tactic that many abusers use to manipulate the people that they're abusing. It's so effective that cult leaders use it. Politicians use it. Um, because it keeps the people that are being manipulated really off kilter and unable to figure out which side is up. Um, So I thought it was really important to have an expert on to educate us about what gaslighting is. In the relationship that I was in where there was abuse, I was gaslit and I really didn't know or understand what was happening to me until I got out of that relationship and I was educated on what was happening to me and then it all made sense. So I hope that in this episode, you're able to make sense of maybe what is happening to you or what you went through um, so that you can see that you're not crazy um, and that someone was purposely manipulating you in order to gain control of you. So coming right up, the wonderful Dr. Stephanie Moulton-Sarkis. I'm here with Stephanie Moulton Sarkis, and she is a best selling author and she writes about gaslighting. So, Dr. Sarkis, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm just going to brag about you for one moment. You're actually writing your seventh book, um, which is coming out in October, and that's called Gaslighting Recognize Manipulative, Manipulative and Emotional Abusive People and Break free. So you are the perfect person for us to talk to about gaslighting today. Okay. I'm happy to share whatever knowledge I have about it. Another thing that I just have to mention is that you have some serious credentials. You are an American Mental Health Counseling Association diplomate, and you are one of only 100 in the U.S. That's pretty fabulous. I'm going to have you go around with me places and then like having a rough day. I'll be like, Kendall Ann, tell me a little bit about what my stuff is. And and you'll be like, you're one of a hundred. I'll be like, oh yeah. Well, here's even something that's more spectacular. You are an AMHCA clinical mental health specialist in child and adolescent counseling. And there's only 20 of those in the United States. This is so good for my (laughs) self-esteem. I am just so happy um, to have you on today. And just to let the listeners know how I found you is I, um, I realized after I had gotten out of my abusive relationship that there was gaslighting in that relationship. And it was kind of, it was actually pointed out to me by a friend when I was explaining to her things that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so gaslighting is something that I am really interested in. And I like to learn about it and how it affects relationships. So I was Googling gaslighting because I thought it would be a um, a great topic for the show. And I found you because you wrote um, 
an article called the 11 warning signs of gaslighting. And it really, it, it was on psychology today and it was a fantastic article. So I just had to reach out to you so you could give us some good information about what gaslighting is. So that is my first question for pe- for those of us who don't know anything about gaslighting. What is it? So gaslighting is a form of manipulation that's it's uh, can also be called uh, um, coercion, uh, and what it involves is people lying to you, boldface lying to you, and getting you confused so you're not sure what's truth and what's reality. Uh, it's kind of the proverbial hand in the cookie jar, and you call people on it. You say you get your hand in the cookie jar, and they say nope, don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, it's a way of keeping you off kilter. Uh, so someone exerts more control over you, also isolating you uh, from your friends and family by saying things like, you know, oh, I don't think that person is good for you, or I don't really like your family because I don't like the way they treat me. But you can't think of anything that your family did to actually treat that person poorly. So it's a way of, of making sure that you are are completely that person's um like you, you like are consumed by a hundred percent of that person. And that's the way they want it. Because when you have less quote unquote distractions from this person with sociopathic tendencies, you're more likely to get even deeper into uh, their pathology and it can result in a decrease of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can even cause suicidality in people that are considering leaving. Uh, and also it can be very difficult to leave uh, because you feel like that no one else will love you and you're told that. Uh, and also there's gaslighting on a, on a global scale too, where this is where you get into dictators lying to people, uh, you know, telling you that something didn't happen. Uh, and that, so a gaslighting isn't just a small thing. It goes into a larger global scale. And that's something that we also need to pay attention to is that when, when people in power are gaslighting us as well. And that was, that was really interesting in the article um, that you wrote, which made me feel better that you wrote um, <clears throat> that people, some people, perpetuators of gaslighters are um, abusers, dictators, narcissists, and cult leaders. And that just made me feel honestly a little bit better because if this works on thousands and millions of people at once, it is a strategy that when employed upon you in an abusive relationship works, because if it works on large groups of people, of course it would work on just one individual. Right. And I have several people are, are smart, smart, smart people come in and they have become victims of gaslighters because gaslighters are so good at acting normal and making you feel uh, like you're the one in the wrong that it really uh, throws a lot of people for a loop. So again, you know, there are professional people, there are, are mental health professionals that have been victims of gaslighters. And you would think they would know most of all, you know, what their personality is like. But when you have someone that kind of what I call love bombs you in the beginning and tells you how wonderful you are uh, and holds you up on a pedestal, you know, you think everything's great. And wow, what, a, what an attentive person they are. And I've never had this before, this kind of, you know, all consuming attention. But, you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, people fall off that pedestal and they fall really far down and you're going to fall off the gaslighters pedestal at some point. Yeah. And, and the other thing about abusive relationships we have to keep in mind, uh, when you have an abusive relationship, you have, um, issues that you, it's not abusive a hundred percent of the time. And that's the tricky part is that you can have a relationship where 
you have this connection sometimes, but then also the person can be abusive. Let's say it's good like 90% of the time, but 10% of the time the person's physically or emotionally abusive to you. It's still a very emotionally abusive relationship and your well-being and in your life can be at risk. Uh, so we really need to pay attention to just the fact that it, it's not the stereotypical 100% bad kind of relationship. And that's why it's so easy to get sucked into it because things tend to go pretty pretty well in the beginning. In fact, it could be like one of the better relationships you've had because sociopaths, narcissists know exactly how to play people into a sense of security and love. And then they start flipping things on you. Gotcha. So in, in your article, the first two points I thought were really spoke to me. The first point is that a gaslighter, they tell blatant lies. And the second part was they deny they ever said something even though you have proof. So right. Tell me about what that does to people when you know someone has said something, but they're saying, no, I never said that. Tell me what that does in the person that that's happening to. Well, the goal is to keep you off kilter and to question your reality and to think that the gaslighter is your only source of reality. And if the gaslighter tells you that you're crazy, that you didn't hear what you thought you heard, you really start questioning, well, am I okay? And that most people in the world, you know, they don't tell blatant lies. So when you have someone do that to you, it throws you for a loop because our idea as humans is that most people don't do blatant lies, right? So when you have someone do that, it, it again, it's, it throws you for a loop because you're like, wait a second. This person just said something that's not true, but that's not really how a person behaves. So it must be me because other people haven't really done that to me. And that's another thing that Gaslighter wants you to do is to, is to really, again, question, you know, are you, are you having the problem? And they'll out, outright tell you, you know, well, this isn't what I said. You know, you, you're suspicious or you're, too, you're crazy. And I told you that, you know, I never said that. And, you know, they may even say, I have proof that I never said that, but they never produced the proof. Uh, but again, the idea is to keep you dependent on them because you start thinking that they have the only version of reality that's acceptable or real. And you write that um, the gaslighter is trying to keep you unsteady and off kilter, and that's their goal. And one of the ways that they do this is, as you've already talked about, it's not all bad that a lot of times they're throwing in positive things towards you. And that is adding to what you write as an additional sense of uneasiness. Right. And what better way to get someone dependent on you than to change the script on them all the time. Mm -hmm. And especially when someone has the courage to leave, because it's very difficult to leave gaslighters that when you do leave, they all of a sudden come back and they're very, very nice to you. And I call that hoovering because it's like a Hoover <laughs> vacuum. They're trying to suck you back into their, their pathology. So they'll say things like, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that, or it must just be a misunderstanding, but their apologies are never sincere. Uh, when you have someone that's a gaslighter, they usually have a deep-seated need for attention, and when they don't have that attention met, like if you leave them, they don't have a backup person, they will come back to you almost 100% guaranteed and telling you how you know, horrible they were. But again, they as soon as they know that you're back into their grips, they will flip back to being the gaslighter again. It's like flipping a switch. You can actually see a physical change sometimes in how well people switch back into being themselves after they've gotten you in their grasp again. Wow. One And one thing you've spoken about to me before, and this is kind of the, the nerdy side of me, is that gaslighting causes cognitive dissonance. So can you explain to us what cognitive dissonance is? 
Sure. Cognitive dissonance is when you have a particular set of values and a person introduces, let's say a cult leader introduces another set of values and your brain gets kind of a little scrambled because you're trying to figure out, wait a second, I've lived by this certain way of living for so long. What's this new information I'm getting? Like that you're told that you're crazy or that you lie all the time. You're like, wait a second, this isn't who I am. And wait a second, I've never had an issue with my family before, but now I'm being told my family's bad. And so we can either do one of about five things. One is we wholesale accept what the gaslighter says, and that becomes our uh, our new value system. Uh, one can be that you fight against that. And again, this is not something that happens in the beginning of a relationship. It's kind of you know, one you're already hooked. So it's a lot easier to, it, well, it's a lot harder to fight against it. Um, the other one is you live with these two separate ideas of what is real. So you have your set of values and the other person's set of values and they're in conflict a lot. Uh, then there's another type where you accept some pieces of what the gaslighter is saying, but you still have your values. And the other part is where you have uh, most of the gaslighter's views, but you still keep some of your own. But it's, it's very, very easy for people to go ahead and pick up the gaslighter's beliefs wholesale, because again, they're being told stuff that's so different than what they've grown to know. And again, you've been told by this person that they love you and they care for you and no one's ever going to love you like I do. And then when they tell that person, well, you know, all this stuff about your family and your friends, you're like, well, that must be true because, you know, they know everything about me and they love me. So therefore they must be seeing something I haven't. So you start adapting this view of life that is so much different than who you were before. And you can feel kind of like you become a shell of a person that you are no longer who you, what you stood for or what you believe in. I mean, it's still there, but the gaslighter stuff is kind of taken over. So that cognitive dissonance is having to live with two very different scripts of what life is like. And that's a good point because sometimes even the things that your gaslighter is telling you, those things change and shift and don't remain the same. And so not only are you having to adapt to what your gaslighter has told you that's different from your values in the beginning, but now suddenly those values that the gaslighter has told you initially are now different than what they said. Right. And so then you get even more cognitive dissonance. And, and how do you live with, in a situation where you know, you know deep in your heart that your family's good, but you've been told that they're bad? And how do you resolve that? And that, that again, throws you into chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like being told surprise information every day, um, and really information that really gets to the core of who you are. And the other thing that gaslighters do is they encourage you to tell them your deep dark secrets, the stuff that you're insecure about, and they use that as ammunition. They do it as data mining. Uh, and so what they'll do is they'll use that against you and say, well, you know, you know, your sister's crazy because, you know, you told me blah, 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 blah from when you were 10 and you go, oh, maybe she is crazy, you know? So that's what they do. And so it changes again, your whole worldview of things and even your world of the community around you. Um, there are cases where gaslighters will, uh, tell you that you can't talk to any you know, men, if you're a woman, you can't talk to any man in the neighborhood because they might be hitting on you. And so you start isolating yourself and not talking to any neighbors. When in fact, that neighbor's never done anything to you to make you feel like they were flirting or hitting on you. So again, that's that cognitive dissonance that you know something's not quite true, but yet the gaslighter tells you the complete opposite. And that kind of goes along with um, the, your 10th sign. They tell you or others that you are crazy. Right. Because what better way to discredit someone than by saying they're crazy? Mm -hmm. It's dismissive. 
It's completely dismissive. Uh, oh, well, if you leave me, you know, I, everybody knows that you're crazy anyway, so it's not like anybody's going to back you up. Or sure, go ahead and tell everybody, you know, how abusive I am, but they all know you're crazy anyway. Or I've already told my friends how crazy you are, so this won't be any surprise to them. And you know, we don't like being called that because it's dismissive. And again, you know, if someone's crazy, you just kind of write them off, right? So, I mean, we shouldn't do that as a society, but that's what many people do is that if you're told someone's crazy, you just go, oh, well, they're irrational. You know, they can't be telling the truth. So when you're, you're told that you might be crazy or that you've been uh, told, you know, people have been told that you're crazy or even the gaslighters told your family you're crazy, it really takes away a lot of power from you for, so that the ability to leave is even more difficult because you do not want to be labeled that, or you're afraid to even confide in people because they'll say, well, I told your best friend that you're crazy and she believed me, which isn't true. Uh, she probably didn't believe him or her, but still, you know, you don't want to be labeled as someone that's, that's unstable. And it's uh, cause that can impact your career too. And it's also difficult when the person is telling you that you are crazy because right. Again, you're dealing with this cognitive dissonance, this person who's lying to your face, this person who's saying they didn't say things when you know that they said them. So it's all like this vicious cycle that's getting wrapped into one kind of awful experience that you're having. Right. And it seems to be never ending. Uh, Gaslighters keep upping the ante, especially if they think you're leaving. Uh, they will change things up on you again. And that's why it's so difficult to leave these relationships because you get sucked back in, but then things go back to being the same. And in fact, they get worse uh, because the gaslighter now he's got to kind of up his game. Um, and I'm using he, but this can also be women can gaslight it too. So I don't want to make it sound like it's all men. It's, it's women too. And it's all different kinds of relationships and socioeconomic statuses. Uh, but it's something that it's so easy to get trapped into and not be able to find a way out. And I'm, I'm just going to read number 11 because I, I think that you worded this so well. You said, they tell you everyone else is a liar. By telling you that everyone else, your family, the media is a liar, it again makes you question your reality. You've never known someone with the audacity to do this, so they must be telling the truth, right? No, it's a manipulation technique. It makes people turn to the gaslighter for the quote unquote correct information, which isn't correct information at all. Right. And you also have gaslighters that will come up with some credentials or some reason why they're the expert on that. Well, you know, I took this class in college about this. So, you know, I know I can identify this or you know i know your family better than you do so i know you know from my experience that there's this and so yeah it becomes very convincing and again we're not used to people just blatantly lying so when they blatantly lie uh, it throws us for a loop and and they've treated us so well to this point so this doesn't make sense to our brains you know, why is this person saying it's blatant lie so that obviously they, they're a good person because of the way they've treated me before so this must be true Mm-hmm. And same thing on a global scale. Um, you'll have people, you know, we have the whole fake media thing um, that you have people saying, well, no, the media is just lying when in fact they have proof of things. 
So, you know, that's another issue too, is that you have, uh, again, on the global scale saying, you know, oh, you know, don't look behind the curtain kind of thing. Like this isn't <laughs> happening. And the idea is if you repeat it so many times, you know, I mean, that was one of the Hitler's things is like, it, he said that if you repeat so many things so many times, so many lies that people accept it as truth. And that's one of the points of gaslighting is that you keep saying, you know, what's not true and hoping that with repetition, people buy into it. And again, uh, even you know, well educated educated people will fall for this and become victims of it because it's so well orchestrated. And another thing you've said before is that sensitive people um, or people who are kind of fixers, they are really good prey for a gaslighter. Can you explain that? Right. Uh, when you have um, have a uh, ability to be a helper person, like I'm thinking people in medical professions, people in mental health professions, teachers, um, any profession where you're helping someone, I think uh, we tend to be kind of fixers. And also if you've grown up in maybe a relationship where a parent was an alcoholic or you had um, a dysfunctional family and, and you know, my view, all families are dysfunctional just in different ways. But if you uh, have a past history of being the fixer, you are attracted to people that may need fixing. So a gaslighter may say, well, you know, I've had bad relationships before and this is, you're the first person I'd be able to connect to. And that feels really good to someone, especially someone that, that is really good at helping people. So the gaslighter knows that. And if you do online dating, they'll actually search out uh, profiles for people that, that are in helping professions or that will say stuff like, you know, I... I love to have people feel good when I, in my job at the hospital or something. So, so they know that you are drawn, are drawn to them like they're a wounded animal. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they know exactly how to draw you in. And then again, they flip the script on you and they, they, be, they turn into a monster. And you've said before that people that have positive outlooks are kind of seen as like challenges for a gaslighter. Right. Gaslighters, true sociopaths like a challenge. And so if you are a happy person, they know that if they're able to switch you over into brainwashing you, that they have that much control. And so it becomes addictive to them. They will purposely find people that may be a little bit more of a challenge. So just to see if they can get away with it. Uh, and that's you know some advanced stages of, of sociopathy when you've got someone that is at that level. Um, and I should add too that sometimes gaslighters don't always know they're gaslighting too. It may have been a strategy that they've used uh, because a parent was a gaslighter. Uh, but the bottom line is that gaslighting is still gaslighting no matter what the origin of it is. Still abusive behavior. Yeah, and and I love this. You say you should take a Spock perspective. When you're in a relationship and things aren't making sense, you should take you should take a a Spock perspective. Can you so you can, can you explain who Spock is and why? Sure. Because <laughs> some of so, them, sure, I do, but some people might not know. Sure. So Spock, Spock was a Vulcan. I think he's actually half Vulcan, half human. But his um, not to get technical about Star Trek, <laughs> but um, but he was all about logic you take the emotion out of it. So when people are telling me about something the gaslighter said, I said, so tell me, is this fact or speculation? So he told you that your family's crazy. Is that a fact or is that just his opinion? And sometimes people start accepting gaslighters' opinions as fact because they're held in in such power. Uh, So when you start talking to people and really help them delineate fact or speculation, it puts a, a more of a Spock kind of logical 
look at it and I say, okay, put your brain in, in one chair and your heart in the other. And what does your brain say about what's going on? And sometimes when you separate out the emotions of love and connection, you get to the root of, wow, this person just told me that my brother did this. And I know for a fact he didn't. So if you can look at it from a Spock perspective, and again, look at, is this fact or speculation that really helps weed out, you know, what's the basis for this person saying this? What, what resource do they have or what proof do they have? You know, it's like, you know, show me the receipts kind of, you know, <laughs> what proof do you have that, that this actually happened? So uh, the gaslighter says, well, you know, I talked to your best friend and she says, you're crazy. Well, how do you know your best friend really said that? Does that sound like something your best friend would say? Or would they just directly tell you that? But if you really look from a logical perspective, you'll realize that a lot of the gaslighter's statements really do not hold water. Hmm. So what, if you suspect that you're being gaslit, what do you do? If it's in a relationship, the best course of action is just to get out okay. uh, and limit contact as much as possible. Now, this is difficult if you have children with a gaslight, and that gets in a whole other issue of co-parenting with someone that's a narcissist or sociopath. But if you are in a relationship with a gaslighter and you don't have kids, you can just leave. Now, if you have pets together, the other thing too is that gaslighters will sometimes abuse your pets or use your pets against you. Uh, or uses a way to connect with you. And they'll say, oh, well, I really miss our dog. Can I go see him? And then you're back with the gaslighter. So they're that good at it. So it's really important that you take your pets and you block their number, uh, you block their email, you block any contact, you don't answer numbers, you don't recognize on your phone. Uh, and eventually, hopefully, the gaslighter will find kind of a new victim. I mean, that's unfortunate for the victim, but that's usually what happens. Or if you're lucky enough, the gaslighter will pick up with somebody else, cheat on you, and then leave you for that person. They will just drop you like a hot potato. Yeah. And that's actually a good thing because you don't want the gaslighter to start stalking you, harassing you. Um, and again, you know, if they find someone else that, that they feel is a good victim, they will move on very quickly. Yeah. So, if, and again, if, you, if you're suspicious that maybe you're being gaslit, what are some things that are happening to you that would be good clues that you that you are in fact being gaslit when you're spending a lot of time going online trying to figure out what truth is and what you know what you should do in this case or why did you make this person upset or why are they stonewalling you or ignoring you that's a tip off because if you're in a relationship with someone and they just blatantly ignore you or pretend like you don't exist that's a sign you need to get out that's just not healthy rational mature behavior. And that's a big sign of gaslighters is that they all of a sudden stop talking to you and you can't find a, a reason why. And again, that's a power and control move because what they want you to do is get upset because then they know they've, they've got you under their control. So the best thing you can do is if they stop talking to you is just drop them, break up with them, leave them. Um, and that can be tricky again, because, you know, a lot of your self-esteem is wrapped up in the gaslighter. So it can take, you know, good resources like family and friends to kind of surround you with love and care and be non-judgmental that, you know, sometimes people don't understand how strong the attachment is to the gaslighter. They think, oh, well, I would never get into that. And, you know, why don't you just leave? It's so much more complicated than that. Uh, I think until you're in a relationship like that, I think it's very hard to understand um, you know, why someone just doesn't leave. But also, you know, gaslighters can be abusive. And the time of a period where you are most at risk of being hurt or killed is when you leave. So that's another issue too, is that you, if you have someone that has threatened you, 
Uh, you may need to get a restraining order against them. You may need to get police protection. Um, that leaving them is is not so easy for someone. So again, having family and friends that back you up uh, is really important. Um, if you also, if you find that you're afraid of leaving your kids or your pet around the gaslighter, that's a sign that you're in a, a really bad relationship. Uh, if you feel like you need to question yourself every time you say something, or if you wish that you could record what the person was saying because something's not right and you're not remembering it right, or if the gaslighter tells you you really need to go to therapy, but they will not go with you or refuse to go to their own therapy, that's also a tip-off because they don't want a therapist to realize that they're the problem. Or also narcissists will go with you to therapy and tell the therapist that everything's your problem. And narcissists are so good at this that they can even fool seasoned mental health professionals. So in all the things you're describing, like if you're having to Google when I confront my boyfriend on lying, he denies it or anything like if you are never feeling settled, you're probably being gaslit in some way. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, and there's a difference between looking online to see, oh, hey, how can I improve my relationship? Or, you know, why is he not talking to me? There's a difference. And and you have to look at also not only what you don't want in a relationship, but also what you do want. You want someone that has open communication with you, that respects you, that is is totally fine with you having different ideas, um, okay with you socializing with other people without them present. Uh, you want someone that, that has that. So I always tell people when they've come out of a relationship like this, write down the things that you're really looking for someone. Because when you meet someone and they sweep you off your feet, first, you know, uh, the relationships that tend to last longer are ones that, that aren't ones that sweep you off your feet. They're more gradual buildup of love and, and affection. Uh, so if you are swept off your feet, take a look at that list and see, does this person meet this? Because when you have all the, that oxytocin bonding hormone going and your dopamine's up, and you think life is great, you don't really look at the fact this person might have pathology. And also write down some of what the red flags are. If you are on a first date with someone's a gaslighter and they refer to their ex or their mother in derogatory names, that's someone you want to stay away from. Oh, that's, uh, that's really not appropriate. It's a tip off that that person may have misogynistic you know, tendencies, meaning you know, that they really don't like women. Uh, that's a good point too about writing down the things that you want. Like if you feel like you're being gaslit, you should be thinking about is not what's happening to me. Is this okay? But more of like, I want a relationship where I'm not worried that the person is lying, where I'm not getting in arguments with the person about things that they said and they're denying it. That's just unhealthy. Whether you're being gaslit or not, it's just unhealthy. Right. Life is hard enough and you want a partner that helps you through that and lifts you up. I say to people, does this person lift you up or do they make you feel like you're being punished for something? Do they make you feel like you're less than? And that's an unhealthy relationship. A healthy relationship, you know, it's not going to be exciting all the time. And I think people think that healthy relationships are supposed to be passionate all the time. The romantic phase of a relationship where you have all the butterflies going lasts about six months to a year and then things start getting real. So uh, (laughs) you can still have love for someone, but not have that super butterfly feeling. And again, you know, sometimes people view that, oh, 
well, you know, the relationship's not great because I'm not getting butterflies all the time. But I think we need to change our view of what romantic love is. It's not always butterflies. It's having a deep emotional connection with someone. And with gaslighters, you really don't have that emotional connection because they don't give enough of themselves for you to have access to that. So that's another thing to look at too. And to look at the fact that are you giving away all this information about yourself, but they're not doing the same. Because healthy emotional intimacy is give and take on both sides. And probably a gaslighter gives you some of those butterflies sometimes because sometimes he is awful and sometimes he's very nice. So the times that are good are the times that you do get the butterflies again, but you're getting them because sometimes he's a jerk to you. (laughs) Right, right. And and it gets very confusing because how could this person that's so horrible all of a sudden be so nice to me? So I must be the issue because this has never really happened to me before. Yeah. So, and again, this happens further on down the line. You know, again, the gaslighter is very good at hooking you in in the beginning and tells you everything that, you know, that you want to hear. And they've studied, I mean, that, you know, how to hook people in. I mean, they've, they, a lot of them have spent quite a bit of time trying to figure this out. Now, again, the, there are people that just are gaslighters through learning inappropriate coping behaviors and communication behaviors, but sometimes they've really looked into what gets people hooked. And sometimes it's just, you know, being people being validated, mm-hmm. being told that, hey, you're wonderful and I really appreciate you and everything that, that you do. And then it starts ramping up slowly, very slowly. And then by the time that you see a blatant, kind of behavior that's different than what a normal person would do. You've already been in the relationship six months, a year, two years. This is not something that happens right away. I mean, it's, it's great if you're on a first date, you already see it because then you can get out, but a true sociopaths will uh, make sure that they hide all that pathology when you are first with them. Because they know that that would scare someone off. Right. They know the healthy people will be scared off by that. Exactly. So they know how to play the game. And you may see sometimes when you're with a gaslighter, let's say you've been in a relationship for a while, you may see them say something and all of a sudden they turn around and their face completely changes because they've gone back into sociopath mode. So they'll be real smiley to you. And all of a sudden you'll see like a mask be taken off. It's very odd to see it happening. Um, and that's another thing to look for too, that there's almost like this persona they're putting on, that they're, they almost seem like they're not real at some point. Um, or their stories get tripped up. They'll tell you about their past, but they'll tell you really kind of nebulous, vague things. And then the story changes the next time. And you're like, well, maybe I didn't totally hear him right. Well, no, you know, he's not really that age. He's, he's, 10 years older, but he lied to you, you know? So, I mean, you find out stuff like that. So it's, um, and you are told that, oh, well, I don't really have a lot of contact with my family. So, you know, they're, they're not nice to me or they're mean to me. So, you know, you're probably not going to meet them. Now it may be that they already are with someone and that person has been introduced to the family. So they're not going to bring you to meet the family. Uh, Or it might be that they don't want you to find out what they're really like because the family may, give you some clues as to what this person really is. So um, those are some tip-offs that I would look for. Um, you know, again, not openly sharing their lives, um, constantly nitpicking. And that could be anything from, are you going to wear that out to dinner uh, to um, commenting about your, your body weight to commenting about your general appearance to commenting about anything like uh, you're at dinner and they say, well, you were flirting with, you know, this coworker of mine at dinner. And you're like, what are you talking about? And they'll say, well, you know, you leaned over to him and you're like, well, yeah, I leaned over cause I couldn't hear him. They're like, no, no, you leaned over cause you want to go out with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's taking what you do and twisting it around. 
And I, and I think that's something that's important about when you talk about that mask is that a gaslighter might say to you like, oh, are you going to wear that kind of thing? And then when you're in a group of people, the gaslighter might actually compliment you on the thing that they were just sort of making fun of you for. Right. And that's the kind of crazy making behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Because it changed, it flips the script. And well, did I just hear him say that he was questioning why I'm wearing that and now he's complimenting me? Or the other thing they may do is make a snide comment to you, to your friends, in front of your friends, and then kind of add a smile to it. And gaslighters are really good at saying really vicious things but with a smile on their face. And when you call them on and you say, hey, you know, why did you say that? You can say, oh, you're so sensitive. You know, why are you so sensitive? You know, I just, I was just making a joke. You know, what's the problem? Yeah, and that's that's their comeback is why are you so sensitive? And it puts you on the defensive when in fact they're being really obnoxious with their behavior. When someone who truly loves you, if they say something that's that hurts you, they would be like, Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I you know, I was trying to make a joke. I didn't know that that you would get upset. I'm really sorry. It'll never happen again. Right. And healthy relationships aren't the absence of conflict. I mean, you can have conflict in a healthy relationship, but you talk through it and that person treats you with respect. And sometimes people mess up because we're human. Uh, But when you're in a healthy relationship, you say to someone, Hey, you know, that was kind of hurtful. They say, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I I didn't realize that. And here's what I'm going to do to, you know, not do that again. And I, I really appreciate you letting me know that that's what you do in a healthy relationship. You let you call somebody on something and they take it into account, they apologize, they tell you how they're gonna work it out. Or if they say, you know, they didn't mean to do that, they still say, well, you know, I'll really watch it the next time. You know, so it's it's something that you you have an open dialogue. But the gaslighter is like you're talking to a wall. Or it's just all about you. They they are really good at like if you catch them cheating, they will flip it on you, like, well, you aren't giving me what I need in the relationship. That's not an excuse for cheating. You know, if you, if you aren't getting what you need out of the relationship, you break it off with someone or you talk it out, you go to couples counseling, you just kind of figure out things. You don't go and cheat. Right. So, uh, but the gaslighter time, like, well, you know, you aren't open with me and, you know, I don't like our sex life. And they'll tell you all the things that it's a reason why they cheated. And so the person will start blaming themselves for the gaslighters cheating. And that's exactly what the gaslighter wants you to do because they'll keep cheating while you're still hyper-focused on what did you do wrong? Oh, that would be really hard to live with. Mm-hmm. And people live with it every day, every day. And people have evidence on their partner's phones that the person's cheated. And the person will say, will turn into, well, you shouldn't be looking at my phone. And that's a violation of my privacy. And why do you think I, you know, went out with someone? It's because you always violate my privacy. I need to be with someone that respects my privacy. They turn it into, you should have been looking at my phone rather than them cheating. And that's a perfect way for the gaslighter to turn the lens off of them and onto you. So the the cheating isn't seen as the issue. You're seen as the issue and you buy into that while they are still going on cheating. Yeah. So in your book that's coming out in October, what, tell us more about what your book is exactly about. Cause I'm super excited to read it. Sure. It's about what gaslighting is and how it uh, works in relationships, how it works in the workplace, because you can have a gaslighting boss or coworker, uh, how gaslighting works on a global scale, like world leaders, dictators, uh, cult leaders, 
uh, how they get people kind of ensnared into their cults. Uh, also, uh, it talks about you know, what are the signs on a first date of a gaslighter? What are the red flags? Or I call them pink flags, too. What are the little things that you see that might be an issue, but you're not totally sure, but you still need to do some date, what I call data collection and still mark those down, you know, keep a track of what you're seeing. Uh, also talks about, you know, what in the workplace, what uh, solutions do you have available if you're being gaslighted or harassed by somebody in the workplace? Uh, also, what to do when you're co-parenting with a gaslighter? How do you do that effectively? And one of the things you can do is, is get a court-appointed parent coordinator. And so you talk through the parent coordinator about schedules and what the kids' needs are. Uh, and that's a way to avoid direct contact with a gaslighter. Um, also, uh, it talks about what to do when you realize you're a gaslighter. Again, sometimes if you've been in a gaslighting relationship, you may start playing at the gaslighter's game to kind of try to outdo them, but you never win against the gaslighter. You're always going to lose. And you may realize that you've turned into someone that you don't recognize uh, because you've picked up these kind of coping techniques as a way to survive in your relationship. Or again, you grew up with a gaslighting parent and you've learned these techniques. So it talks a lot about different therapies that can help you if you've been gaslighting. And the biggest step is just admitting that you're doing it. That's 80% of it. Uh, and also what to do when you have gaslighting family members and you still see them on holidays or you work with them. I mean, there are a lot of family-owned businesses where people have gaslighters or family that have to work with on a daily basis. And you know, what, at what point do you say, you know, enough's enough and you leave? Uh, or, you know, what happens when you can't get away from these people? So uh, it covers gaslighters in all different areas of life because my guess is if, if you're with a gaslighter, you may have gaslighters in other arenas that you may not even been aware of. Well, that sounds awesome, and I'm super excited to read it. And thank you so much, Dr. Sarkis, for coming on today. I have learned a ton. Oh, you are so welcome. Anytime. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again, Dr. Sarkis, for being on the podcast today. If you'd like to order Dr. Sarkis's book, Gaslighting, Recognize, Manipulative, and Emotionally Abusive People and Break Free, check out the show notes. Um, just click on the link and it'll take you to Amazon's pre-order page for her book. I hope that you've learned a ton about gaslighting today. I certainly did. Dr. Sarkis was a fabulous guest and gave us a lot of information about how to deal with the gaslighters in our life. If you are currently in a relationship that is unsafe or abusive, there is help available. Please dial the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE.